we had to, to explore that um, and to understand what they are saying is the reasons why they came to the, what led to that no-knock warrant. Um, now, I think you see in the film what, you know, what we are saying is that none of that matters because no one, I don't care if you're Pablo Escobar, can be, you know, the police can't go into your home and start shooting you and killing you. Hey, episode 94 is brought to you by Spirit and Justice with Brianna Taylor. And I'm Honey for Walita, y'all. And this is Red Summer. And we are your gay aunties. Indeed, indeed. Today we have Yoruba Richin and Stephanie Gale as our guests for the show. <laughs> all right, all right. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Lord mercy, we know we we'll are gonna do it. We making it. <laughs> we making it. We making it. Yes, Lord. All right. So if you are new to the show, if you have never joined us before, hey babies. <laughs> We're your aunties. Um, and we just want you to take a second and imagine that we are the aunties who are in the back rolling their eyes during a gender reveal party. <laughs> of course, you don't remember this, but me trying to explain to your mama the difference between gender and sex after a few glasses of wine, it was quite a scene. <laughs> we didn't mind these, you know. Absolutely. So understand that, you know, your gay aunties is a bi-weekly live show and podcast that is centered around queer adulting. Every Sunday, we go live on YouTube where we ask you questions about life, love, and the entangled. Mm-hmm. So subscribe below. And if you miss us live here Sundays at 1 p.m., we come to you one more again on Wednesday with our audio podcast by the same name, Gay Aunties, which you can find wherever you listen to podcasts. Yes. yes. Okay. So now that you know where you are, welcome home, child. <laughs> we mm. are your gay aunties and we are here for the children. <laughs> And we have a beautiful, beautiful show coming up for y'all. We are so excited. Look at us. Look at us. Look at us doing things. All right. Okay. So we have a great show coming up. Um, we are so excited to interview filmmaker Yoruba Richin, all right, about her new documentary, The Killing of Brianna Taylor, Ooh. which is on Hulu. Honey. Yeah. <laughs> It's on Hulu and FX right now, y'all. Okay, we're going to talk to her about her experience making the film and thoughts on activism in the arts. All right? Mm-hmm. Let's get in it. And later on uh, in the post-show, we're going to have Stephanie Gale, who will be here performing live in the studio. Yes. All right, from her backyard. <laughs> And coming up in just a bit, we have um, the first of two letters. Yes, two letters. Um, some auntie gems and continued appreciation for our good gay lives. Yes, right. yes. So subscribe just below and start mm-hmm. texting your peoples to join us live here on YouTube.com slash your gay aunties. Woohoo. All right, girl. Wusa, it's been two weeks. How have you been? Um... I have, I've been a little overwhelmed, (laughs) a little overwhelmed. As you know, I'm a a school teacher and we're doing our virtual teaching thing right now. 
Um, and technology is, is crazy, but we're figuring it out and, and giving ourselves a lot of grace as we <laughs> make our way through this pandemic-induced experience. <laughs> How are <Yeah>. you? <laughs> um, I am recovering from dental surgery. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I'm recovering from dental surgery. I had to get one of my wisdom uh, teeth in the back because it's been... It, I just couldn't reach it. <laughs> it was doing things. And the, the dentist even told me I had a tooth behind that tooth. Oh, wow. You know, so I was, I was jabbing you with it. Um, it took him an hour to yank that bad boy out of my mouth. So I have been recovering from that. But in the meantime, I've been gardening. Um, I've been getting praise from my neighbors because they see me out there every morning. Nice. <laughs> me in the land. Me in the land. <laughs> Great. Yes, ma'am. Um, but yeah, but I'm at my that, mom's you know, house. Maintain it. Oh, yes, of course we can tell by you know <laughs> certain pictures. Of those, those are mom type framing pictures. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And guess what, y'all? You know, me and Red were talking about you know while she's at her mom's house, um, and I'm here pumping down with my mom that we're going to have a little uh, fun with the moms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's gonna you be. You can see from once we come. Yeah. <laughs> It's gonna be crazy. <laughs> it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be totally uh, crazy because we are our parents' children. Whether no matter how much we fight it. Oh, absolutely. Right? <laughs> my you mother know, is so much cooler them. than I am. So I don't know. <laughs> Me and my mom, we still we still on the big thing of who's cooler. Yeah. Oh, my mom won. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hands down. All right, y'all. Right, let's go into uh, the follow me part. Um, of the show this is the part of the show where we feature one of you who follow us on Instagram at your gay auntie. So we call it follow me and I'll follow me for episode 94 is follow me, follow me, follow me. Yeah. Ho on the go. Yeah. Okay. And I love how she spells it in Francis. So ho H E A U X. On the go, G E A U X. Yeah. Regardless how you spell it, spell it. She's ho on the go. Um, and in in this follow me worthy post, all right, right by ho on the go. Um, she drops some sexual ethic bombs on all y'all regarding the latest um Odom while your own business Beckham gossip. <laughs> so here you go. Here is ho on the go. Hey y'all. So I just wanted to go live really quick and talk about this whole Odell Beckham Jr. situation because people really need to leave folks' sex lives and business alone. So first of all, there was a huge violation because somebody went and told his business on the internet. Whose business is that to tell? Definitely not theirs, number one. Number two, if somebody is into a kink or a fetish that is their business and they are in a moment of vulnerability where they are sharing this and expressing that and experiencing it with another person and for somebody to go out there and talk shit about it, no pun intended, and be rude and kink shame someone is horrifying and horrific and it invalidates people and their sexuality and their sexual desires and feelings. And that's something that we really need to address. Don't yuck someone's yum just because it's not for you or because someone slighted you or because y'all are not together anymore. What y'all did together during that period of time or what y'all chose to share or do with each other during that time is your business. It is not yours to spread afterwards, period. 
someone wants to dress up like, I don't know, the Powerpuff Girls. I've been seeing a lot of Powerpuff Girl cosplay lately. <laughs> and, you know, get spanked and electrocuted a little bit, then let them. If somebody likes to have sex with food all around the bed, let them do that too. That's their business. And it's not yours to say that's nasty or not. That's it. That's the message. Let people live their lives. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I love it. No, that's, that's I love it. very true. Yeah, yeah. And I'm so glad that someone said it from our community. You know what I mean? Like, just say it. Yeah. Just 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 say it so just so y'all know um uh you know uh she does all kinds of things on um her page you know she um does reviews on a lot of sex toys and products and gives really that kind of i ain't gonna front like auntie level sexual guidance mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying so i think we need to have whole on the go on the show yay okay <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, that's coming up y'all we figured it out we gonna, okay. we gonna tap her and we i'm gonna, excited gonna, about that make that happen yes definitely all right well there's no better thing to come after uh uh the children but some more children <laughs> <laughs> well thank you ho on the go i'm i'm excited to to see what we can how we can partner and, and get some more good uh advice out to the children and if you want some of your work passion or just your beautiful queer self featured here on your gay aunties just uh, on the follow me section specifically, then you can follow us on IG uh, at your gay aunties. Um, and then just do what you do. You don't have to do anything special. Just be your wonderful self and we will follow you back and see what you're doing. And then you may be part of the show. It's just that simple. Basically. <laughs> yes. Basically. <laughs> I'm sorry, say. Oh, I was just going to say, we can keep it going with uh, our first letter. Yeah, let's do that. Yes, do that. this is how All we right. feature you on the show. <laughs> Here's your letter. Hey! <laughs> I'm loving your gifs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we coming out the bank with these gifs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, girl, you want to take it? Yeah, I'll take it. Um, mm -hmm. So this is, are we saying this name? <laughs> um, they just say not to. Okay, so it's from Jessica, a newfound independence. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so, hi, aunties. I absolutely adore you both and your podcast. Thank you, Jess. <laughs> it's been a great comfort for me to feel supported by older LGBT members, something I don't have in my life. Mm -hmm. And has really helped me learn how I can be a better ally to the Black people in my life. Say word. Yes. So, if you are looking for letters, I'd love any advice on navigating this new change with my parents. I live in the same city. And don't have any siblings. So it's always been just the three of us. I've been very fortunate to live with my parents for three years after grad school to make extra large payments on my student loans. While this is a huge blessing, COVID made me realize I need my own space. <laughs> <laughs> we understand. <laughs> And we didn't have COVID back then. Right. <laughs> so my new adventure has begun with my new apartment and a puppy coming in a few weeks. 
Do you have any advice on my newfound independence? Some do's and don'ts you've seen other young people make right when they move out would be helpful. Mm. Mm. So last night I was um, riding in a car uh, with a friend and that song, A New Apartment by Ari Lennox was on. And she was like, I just got my new apartment. (laughs) 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 And one of the lines in the song, she was like, yeah, and I'm not scared of the dark anymore because I got to pay this electric bill. So (laughs) I think one of the the main things, um, plan things out like pace yourself these new bills are coming through you want to make sure that you take um great care in in planning your budget knowing exactly what you have to spend and what you're spending it on because you don't want to come home and flip that switch one day and nothing happens baby (laughs) (laughs) you surely don't want to try to get ready for that date you try to hop in that shower and you turn that knob and you turn it back and turn it again. It says- <laughs> Baby, you don't want any of that. So it's just you. It's nobody else to blame it on. So you mm. need to make sure that you um, that you just plan very well on how this this living alone experience is going to be for you financially. Exactly. And just to just to, to bounce off what Red says and just a, just a real practical thing to do is get to understand the rhythm of your bills. When do they arrive? Mm-hmm. And and cross reference that with the rhythm of your Monet mm-hmm. arriving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As long as they align, you could put them on automatic, especially the the the, the, bare, the baseline bills like electric water, gas, mm. like, you know, stuff you need, food, you know what I mean, but food's just a budget thing, but, <laughs> but I, the other thing I would like to say that, um, I, my advice is, is more about, um, creating a home. Mm. Um, I have a personal rule and it depends. Some people are really, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a really internal person. I'm really about my space, but I've learned that I should have a rule or still have a rule that I don't, unless I'm having a party, I don't have no more than three people in my house at, at the same time. Mm. And when you have a new home, um, I would be very selective. I think when with the excitement of a new home and also you're young, you know, having come parties. Over, come great. over, come over. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but people people, depending on where your peers are, one, um, they may not have the greatest apartment, so then you don't want your apartment to become the hangout spot if that's what you're not clear on it being. Mm-hmm. So maybe one get clarity on what do you want your space to be for you? And then everybody else works around that. Yeah. But a very clear practical thing is I would limit the people you have in your house at one time mm-hmm. um, as a regular rule outside of parties, just so you can start to understand the energy that you want maintained in your space. Because it's easy for someone else to take over your space if you allow them to. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say something very similar as well. Like give yourself time to enjoy your space alone mm-hmm. before you keep trying to fill it up with other people. Mm-hmm. Like the, the big thing in having your own space is like just being able to, to be there. Mm. It's calm as peaceful. Everything is where you left it. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> you know, and, and don't mistake um, the, the urge to be social um, with loneliness, Ooh. like sometimes 
uh, when you don't give yourself an opportunity to learn how to be with yourself, you think that you need other people there to fill that silence. Mm. Like practice that so that you don't start bringing in people into your space out of that place of lack, right? If you can make sure that the people that you're inviting to your home are there because like you genuinely enjoy their company, you know, or you're really, you know, whatever the the reason is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Just make sure that you're not just filling the space up with people. Mm -hmm. Oof. All right, Jessica. Well, congratulations again, again, again on the new car. There's no feeling like that, especially when it's your first boy. That's just like, that's so so sweet. (laughs) That's such a sweet feeling. So enjoy that as yours to enjoy. Enjoy your new puppy. And thank yeah. you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for your letter, Jessica. Thank you, Jessica. <laughs> now, we always enjoy y'all's letters, and we're going to answer another one later on um, in the show. But if you need, yes. if you, I know, right? If you need <laughs> to write your gay aunties, you can do so at your gay aunties at gmail.com. You can DM us on Instagram um, at uh, your gay aunties. Okay, so let's uh, do the next best thing now and just let's dig into some of them auntie. Then get them gems out them auntie bags, you know what I'm saying? Maybe oh, do I have like an auntie wallet? I don't really have a bag. <laughs> you can put your gem wherever you want to. <laughs> Everybody look around. This will be the two bit just you see. I'm, I'm and not... Jessica, you could just play that song in your house. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Can exactly. you? For, for those who aren't here with us live, our wonderful live engineer, Kara, just bust out with the most wonderful gift that we all love. If from the Wiz. Party gems. All right, y'all. All right, y'all. So, so what's your gem for the day? My gem for the day is in part inspired by our guest uh, later on, your mm. mention. But... Um, you know, Hulu, all the cable stations used to be on the end of the day. They they level some black people in our stories right now. Mm-hmm. Great, great, great. <laughs> anyway, so I, you know, actually after I was uh after I watched um the killing of Breonna Taylor, something else they had uh on uh a Hulu or Hulu HBO Max, excuse me, is the Yusef Hawkins story. Mm. A storm over Brooklyn. Okay. And that brought back memories. For those who are not aware, who either did not live in New York at the time or aren't old enough to remember, Yusef Hawkins was a young man who was actually around the same age, around the times, around 1989, teenager, like 17 years old, um, goes with some friends to um, Bensonhurst, Brooklyn. He lives in East uh, uh, Brooklyn, East New York, excuse me. Um, and you have to understand that though New York has the impression of being this big melting pot from all around the world or what have you, um, I that was not my understanding. I still knew that there were neighborhoods I could not go into unless I was really, really careful, right? And Benson Hurst was one of them. And so he went in there with his friends to buy a used car and got caught up in some with some Italian boys and he was killed. And the reason why I'm showing this trailer um, is because I want you guys to think about something. I want you to think about how this correlates with now. The actions that were taken then, what happened then, and I want you to see yourself in this kind of timeless continuum of struggle. All right, let's play the, uh, the clip. Yusuf, he had that little spark in him. 
he inspired his brothers. I saw it early on. My cousin's going places. People in this post-Obama era want to look at New York in the 80s and 90s in the lens of today, don't quite understand that the racial divisions were over the top. Bensonhurst made people say, New York is like that. As he stopped, a bunch of white guys came around the corner, surrounded us. Next thing I know, I hear gunshots. I gotta ask you flat out, who killed you, Mr. It wasn't my friends, and it, and it wasn't me. My son has been tried and executed only because of the color of his skin. This would have never happened to him. They evaluate the evidence, they'll realize it wasn't a racial case. You'd have to be stupid to not determine that there was a racist element. Martin Luther King used to say, make the comfortable uncomfortable and make the uncomfortable comfortable. So I said, we should march in the neighborhood. They did not want us there, and they made that known. It's like unbelievable how people acted out. We're not just going to go away quietly. Taken us. Uh, my brother's death went down. People were yelling out his name. All right. Whew. Okay. Whew. It, bring, it brings back chills. But one of the one of the there's two things I just want to highlight really quickly. Um, is this idea of mobility. And we talked about this a little bit before the, before the show. This idea of blackness and mobility and that this is the undercurrent fight that we have been fighting since day one, right? Yeah. Uh, when, well, since we got our quote unquote freedom, right? It's the idea that whatever dreams we want to manifest and however we physically need to go and do that, that should, we should be able to do that. And so though there was a time we could not leave the plantation and then it was a time we could not leave the state and then it was a time where it was, it was hard as hell to, to, to maneuver through the states or just to travel, you know, and that's up until, shit, that's up until now, let it be told. <laughs> let it be told. But even this idea of, say, within a metropolis, in a northern metropolis of New York, this idea of mobility. Here's a young man just going with his friend to buy a car. This is a dream. I want to get a car. I'm a teenager. I want a car. So he is now deprived of this aspect of his teenagehood to have the freedom to think about getting a used car because, oh, how dare he go into a neighborhood that is not his home where people don't look like him in that neighborhood. So I, I, when you think about that, mobil that idea of mobility that we've been fighting for, mobility. And another thing is um, the idea of persistence. What people, a lot of people don't know is when, we, when they say they marched in Bensonhorst, they didn't march once, twice, three times. They marched over a dozen times, over a dozen times, a few hundred black people marched through Bensonhurst, Brooklyn. And the whole point is we're going to wear you down till you give up that killer. OK, so in this microcosm of New York, 
I can see and it helps me even more appreciate what young people are doing now, you know, and how history repeats itself, but also the history before, you know, struggles the history to come, if you will. You know, um, so if you haven't seen uh, the Yusef Hawkins uh, 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 story, I believe it's called The Storm Over Brooklyn. Um, check it out. And you if you're a young person that's out there in the streets in the fight, you're going to see yourself through the time continuum. <laughs> yes, yes. So interesting. Um, I'm, you know, being in Chicago every Friday for years, they played. um Chub Rock, right? Mm. And he has a line in the songs, never forget Yusef Hawkins when you walk in, yes. <laughs> just for it, right? right? And so even though that song was old and the, the um, event had passed so long ago, in Chicago, it was still kind of relevant and present because we heard Yusef's name every Friday for years, I don't know why that Chub Rock song was the song that they played, like to get you hype for the weekend. But, you wow. know, and you think about, you know, even in the comments, mm. like some of us hadn't heard the name. We don't really know the story. And so having uh, these documentaries and having mm. um, whatever art is created to keep those stories alive is so vital. Mm-hmm. It's so vital. Because like maybe one Friday now in, in 2020, a kid will be like, who is this person? Right? <laughs> exactly. Well, actually, a perfect example is Yusef Hawkins, God rest his soul, is that if his grandmother knew where he was, he was, as a young person, he was a bit oblivious, mm-hmm. you know? And I, one thing I caught from that documentary that really <laughs> was the grandmother just heart-wrenched that she wasn't able to tell her grandson no, not that neighborhood. Because she had the knowledge that he just didn't have. And for whatever reason, they didn't pass on, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, and you're in your bubble. And you're in your bubble. And you're going up a yeah. lot of neighborhood bubbles. People don't believe in their neighborhoods. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's a good example of how we have to pass on. History is so important for creating your present and, and the future. Otherwise, you're running in circles or you're going to a neighborhood you were prepared to go into. Absolutely. Anyway. What's your gym? Yeah. What's your gym? Right. <laughs> so my gym is is on the same vein. It's 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 equally as uh weighted, um, but more updated, right? Um and it's also in New York. <laughs> so I'll play the clip and then we can talk about it a little bit after. The department says there are no quotas. Well, I could tell you there are quotas in the NYPD. Truly explosive allegations. They're coming from police officers who are part of what's being called the NYPD 12, who filed a class action lawsuit in federal court. This is not just another lawsuit. 12 cops willing to step up like this, because you're not going to get this again for 100 years. Hold it for one quick second. Now to record. From the beginning, I saw how this job was was not about helping people, it's about numbers. Who's targeted most? The minority community. Boom! And all this got dismissed. All this got dismissed. Once you start getting arrested, it goes in your record. They're taking away jobs that they could be future lawyers, future cops. Supervisors that are using police officers as a revenue-producing agent for the city. 
This system has to change. We all put our jobs on the line. We put everything on the line. This is something that was placed on my desk. You're still a police officer. And there are people in our community that don't work with police officers, period. This is David versus Goliath. Without public support, we're nothing. How long do you think you're going to keep the powder keg half on? I believe in struggle, and with struggle comes change. Can the NYPD be what cops are supposed to be? Um, <laughs> where do we begin? First of all, who don't need to give us some money? Because we is bigging them up. <laughs> <laughs> right, today is definitely a oh, oh, so. You know, they're coming with it, they're coming with it. But, okay. Yeah, and so I wanted to to highlight this particularly because people always talk about like, oh, there's like not all all cops are bad, right? Like every time you try to you know say something, it's the oh well, not everybody or the bad apple thing or whatever. Um, and I did not think that was true at all, personally. I um. I thought it was just something that people say to deflect, right? (laughs) And so I also have um, police officers in my family and still did not connect like what that experience is like um, to be a black and brown person in the police industry, knowing that this is the setup. We know now that, well, we already know, we've known that in a lot of areas, where in most areas, the police are an income generator for the city. Yes, the police, is. like the Department of Revenue, is where all of your tickets go. Like <laughs> every time you, you know, you have a, a run-in with police, you are generating revenue for the city, and so this becomes a huge snowball that runs out of control because if you have to have a quota of how many people get a ticket, then you're not going out in the in your day, in your work day, looking to make people safe and to provide a service and blah, blah, blah. You're going out looking to find criminals mm-hmm. and you will find them because you have to. Find them or make them. Right. And so when when the response is like, oh, well, if black people weren't committing crimes and they wouldn't be whatever, like you have to understand that plenty of people are criminalized on purpose. Right. They are criminalized for the quota. They are are placed in in positions like you think about Elijah McClain. He was just walking. He said, listen, I'm not a bad guy. Like, you know, I just, I'm just different. Like, I'm sorry, right? And he was immediately approached with aggression and attacked for nothing. And we see so many of these stories that you have to, at some point, you have to question, like, how how does um, any kind of... Uh, change in this society, change in this policy even happen. And pointing to the quotas is a big start. And again, it always comes back um, to uh, this country's other Achilles heels, which is capitalism and the way that we spew it and how capitalism intersects with um, municipalities, 
Because mm-hmm. a quota system is like, so you need to basically, a quota is just another way of saying, you need to make so much money <laughs> for us by the end of the day or for these Negroes, these Negroes and Latinos back. That's what I need you to do. Go out there and do. Go in the field and pick some cotton. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, but, you know, this... And yes. being in a, a different neighborhood now, I've always lived in the city, and this is my first time really living in the suburbs. When our community opened back up, of course, all the children in the community went straight to the basketball court. They went straight to the tennis court. They went outside. They hadn't been outside in so long. Mm. And... My son came back. He said, well, the police are kicking everybody out of the basketball court. And so we were able to contact the community <laughs> and say, the police are not welcome in here. These are our children. Mm. And even if they are inviting other children in to come and play basketball with them, we live here. They can do that. Yes. And the woman said, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know that that was happening. Oh, the love of- well, the basketball court is right next to the community center. I don't know how you didn't know that this was happening. <laughs> you had to be the one to call the police. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But understanding that you can do that in my neighborhood now. I couldn't do that in my neighborhoods before. Yeah. The police came through and did what they wanted to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you resisted in any way, and there was another documentary of Stop Resisting, right, of how many people are um, criminalized for not allowing themselves to be harassed and, and arrested on site. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. their only crime mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is questioning their arrest. Well, we picked some gems, boy, because. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's deep. And, and, and unfortunately, we have so many gems that that look and feel like this, you mm-hmm. know, as far as the historical gems of just us trying to get through and overcome something that's happened to us. Um, but I would love to move um, into our, our guest for the day because yeah. her documentary <laughs> is going to be the cream on the crop um, for our dive down the documentary dealing with our people today. <laughs> All right, y'all. So we're going to welcome our guest today, Andy Gay Aunties. Yoruba Richin is a documentary filmmaker whose work has been featured on PBS, New York Times, Opta, Frontline Digital, New York Magazine's website, The Cut, The Atlantic, Infield Division. Her current films, The Sit-In, Harry Belafonte, um, hosts The Tonight Show, will premiere on, in, excuse me, in fall of 2020. And, oh, she got a lot going on. How It Feels to Be Free will air on American Masters in 2021. All right, see, Yerba's previous film, The Green Book, mm, Again, talking mm-hmm. about mobility, mm-hmm. right? Okay, the Green Book, um, Guide to Freedom, was broadcast on uh, the Smithsonian Channel to record, uh, audi- to, excuse me, to record audiences. It was nominated for an Emmy, all right? Yes. Ooh, we, can, we get some dope-ass uh, guests. I'm so excited. Um, Europe's <laughs> feature documentary, The New Black, won um, multiple festival awards and uh, was nominated for an NAACP Image Award and a GLAAD Media Award before premiering on PBS's Independent Lens. Europe is a featured TED speaker, Fulbright Fellow, a Guggenheim Fellow, and a 2016 <laughs> receipt of the Chicken and Egg Breakthrough Filmmaker Award. And for all these reasons, all these reasons and more, and with her latest documentary, The Killing 
of Brianna Taylor on FX mm. and Hulu. We welcome two Yagi aunties, activist and filmmaker Yoruba Ruchin. Hi there. Hey, hey. hey. <laughs> How you doing, lady? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good on this Sunday. Mm-hmm. So good Wonderful. to be on with you guys. We're so excited to have you here today. Yes, yes. When I heard um, about uh, the documentary, I was like, okay. Because for me, and to whatever extent, I, I'm kind of like, for me, I have to admit that I did not understand her story to the degree that you laid out uh, in the documentary. You know, so I was so grateful for that. Absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of times we you know, know the names of uh, these victims of uh, police violence, mm. but we don't know their story. Um, we don't know who they are, um, what they mean to their families and their friends, um, their their goddaughters. And that's one of the things that really struck me in making this film is that um, in talking to her family and her friends, it's not just the loss of Breonna Taylor and her life, her young life, but it's the loss of... of and the trauma to her community, mm. um, the 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 loss to her sister, uh, to her her goddaughter who's two years old, who she took care of as uh, a couple nights a week, to her boyfriend Kenny, who they were planning yes. on having, you know, yes. uh, planning on moving forward in their relationship. So the loss of all those dreams, mm-hmm. um, it's really multifaceted, um, and so I really wanted to tell that tell that story, and also too, I think it's important to know you know, information about the case as well. Um, there's been a lot of misinformation on mm-hmm. different sides. And, you know, we wanted to, me and my team wanted to lay out as much as we can, because there's, there's still stuff we don't know. Um, it's unfolding, but lay out as much as we can what led up to that night and what happened that night. Mm. Yeah, I just first have to agree that this um, documentary is the most information that I've heard on the case, period, period. like ever. Mm-hmm. And I've been watching different news channels and listening to different things and reading articles. But, you know, of course, when it's a little bit at a time and everything is, is piece by piece. So having this documentary just lay it all out so well. Just thank you. Thank you for doing that work. Um, I wanted to ask, why did you get into documentary filmmaking and how do you see this as like supplementing those gaps for people who are just relying on the media for their information? Well, um, I got into documentary filmmaking. Um, let's see the shorts. The short answer is I, um, Grew up here in New York, where I'm talking from, uh, and my mom was a playwright, and she was a, a, a political playwright. She was considered kind of part of the underground black arts movement, meaning that you know she didn't get as much uh, <laughs> as much fame as she should have. Um, but so I grew up with the sort of intersection of arts and politics. That was always something that was part of me, um, and I did a lot of theater. And, uh, you know, up and through college. And then in the mid 90s, as the cameras got smaller and more accessible, um, I started making videos. And I had always been interested in documentary. I had always been, you know, loved documentary film, watching it as a, you know, I remember watching Eyes on the Prize as a, as a kid. Um, and, but it never felt like a career that is something that you could actually do until 
really the mid nineties when, and late nineties when the camera started getting smaller. And that was the first time I picked up a camera and just started, um, uh, making these short videos about sort of social issue subjects that I was interested in. And it really just brought together my artistic, um, nature and my, um, you know, my, my, wanting to tell stories, wanting to illuminate stories, uh, and to correct the record, quite frankly, especially for African-Americans. And now it's interesting. I haven't watched that um, Yusef Hawkins documentary, but it's definitely on my list. But that was part of my growing up and seeing, I mean, I very much remember um, that, you know, what happened there and these other cases and how our voices in the media were, uh, were either ignored or mischaracterized, um, and how we were not given, you know, the same political platform in New York at that time. I and mean, people often forget that New York in the 1980s was very segregated, very um, politically, you know, uh, we were very politically marginalized, politically marginalized. Um, and that that was part of why I wanted to tell these stories, because I remember living through cases like the Yusef Hawkins. And how can we tell the stories, tell our own stories, amplify our concerns and and what we are, you know, and our and, you know, social justice issues. So that's that's how I got into documentary. You know, this uh, I'm listening to you and I, and I and I finding this balance between the investigative and the the personal story, and especially in context of us, because a lot of times our, um, who we are as people is left out of the story and is assumed who we are as people. And I love how you started her, the investigative story of her case through the investigative story of her life and the people who were in her life. So that's where we're jumping off to now understand what happened to her. So, and it, yes. Yeah, and that was super important. That was a very deliberate choice that I made. And one of the reasons was in terms of accuracy, because when this case first, when that her, the events of March 13th, the, the killing of Breonna Taylor, when it first happened, even the mom, Tamika Palmer, was not getting enough information from the police, what was going on. And she had to go to the lawyers. And it was her friends, the friends and family of Brianna, who kept, started tweeting about it, social, you know, um, the the justice for Brianna. They were the ones who got that case out into the public and for it to become, you know, as big and as, uh, you, you know, so many people rallying around uh, rallying around Brianna. That was a large part because of her friends. And so I thought it was important to show how they, why they did it because of who she was and what she meant to them. Um, and it's always a tricky balance because the investigation obviously is super important. Again, what happened, what led to those events. But, um, you know, that was, we, we definitely had to figure out how we can, we wanted to show who she was and what she meant to people. Um, before digging into the sort of nuts and bolts of the investigation. I have a question, um, and this is more about the creation of, well, art activism um, and the people who choose to do it and, and how your approach to doing it. So some things that um, I've experienced uh, with other documentaries is that the perspective is, can be very skewed. And it's kind of lacking that journalistic credibility, if you will, with in lieu of just trying to make a point 
you know, with all the passion that we as the people have, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, I would love for you to talk about the importance of re- the importance in how you approach finding that balance where there's parts of you that just want to just cut next. But how do you arrive at something like the killing of Breonna Taylor in a way that you did it? Absolutely. Honey, and thank you for asking for that. That's mm-hmm. really what I deal with in my work all the time. Um, first off, I, when I, going back to how I started a documentary, I, I, when I made the choice to sort of pursue this career, I started in documentary and freelancing. And then I actually went over to the news side and I worked at ABC News in the investigative unit for four years. Um, and I did that because I'd always been interested in news. It was a really great opportunity. It gave me great, um, you know, it gave me great, uh, a great learning experience uh, about uh, investigating, writing, uh, understanding the different contours of what it me of journalism. Um, and but I always knew I wanted to go back into into documentary. So I took that those that experience and you know have related it to 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 my work. I also started uh, the documentary program at uh, CUNY Graduate School of Journalism. I'm the the head of the program. So I'm in a journalism department. Mm. Um, And so I'm always uh, thinking about and dealing with these issues around filmmaking and journalism and social justice, because that's a lot of the work that I do. And so I think that, I guess for me, I think it's important to, we're not going to, we're not going to, um, it serves no purpose for us not to understand the complexity and nuances of story of, Mm. of situations, right? That's most things are not black and white and most things have are, 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 have different layers. And as a filmmaker, I like exploring those layers. So Mm. even in the, in the new black, um, even from in my first film promised land, where I went to South Africa and I looked at, the um, the efforts of land reform in the country. I wanted to 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 talk to the white landowners who were being forced to give up, uh, you know, to at least contemplate giving up their land. I was interested in their story as well as the stories of the land that had been taken away from the indigenous black indigenous folks in South Africa. And so that's how I told that story. Mm-hmm. In the New Black, I also looked at. Um, the um, folks, the African-American folks who were against uh, gay marriage and LGBT rights and the folks who were um, trying to bring it to the state of Maryland. Mm. Um, and I thought that by telling those stories, we can understand the complexity. I think it's clear in terms of my, you know, in terms of, uh, in terms of the, my lens and what I am trying to say um, and I want that to be clear. And I think with Brianna as well, the Brianna Taylor film, but it's important to understand the different, the different layers of story. And ultimately, you know, exactly. Ultimately, I think it's important to understand it because, you know, I have a point of view and I want the, the audience to see that point of view, hopefully, you know, un- understand it, potentially agree with it. And, <laughs> You know, and then we can move, you know, and and that will bring us somehow some maybe will bring us somehow closer to justice. So with Brianna, for example, we had to lay out what the entanglements that she had with her ex-boyfriend that led the police 
to the door that night. Mm-hmm. We had to, to explore that mm-hmm. um, and to yes. understand what this, you know, what what they are saying is the reasons why they came to the, you know, why that would led her to the, what led to that no knock warrant. Um, now, I think you see in the film what, you know, what we are saying is that none of that matters. None of that exactly. matters because exactly. she was, um, uh, she, you know, first off, no one, I don't care if you're Pablo Escobar can be, you know, the police can't go into your home and start shooting you and killing you. I mean, she that's like, the terrorist window. Yeah. It's that, that's judge who's, they're not judged jury and executioner. Mm-hmm. So that's one layer. The second layer is that, you know, well, really the first layer is that there were no drugs or money ever found. She was never accused of anything. She was, has no history of, of criminality. There's a lot of allegations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then even a wider net that we tried to portray, and you even mentioned this, I think, previously in your guys' conversation, is the, a policy, a war on drugs policy that brought this incredible militarization to all of these to all of these houses um and uh and you know and including hers which she really has like no no history of of any of that um but what all of this over some drugs over looking for drugs and it's a war on drugs policy as we know Mm -hmm. that has been that has targeted african-americans targeted neighborhoods and resulted in mass incarceration and violence in our communities so we have to look at the 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 larger picture of why this even of, of of the policy that brought these cops to her door I mean, this, 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 this is, I think, the, uh, the conversation that we are not just trying to have. We're trying to figure out how to have in different ways so people can understand that this is not just about individual stories or mythic lore around what a cop, a cop's place in a community, in the community. <laughs> All right. This is about the system that, again, uh, uh, speaks to uh, a, a limited mobility. You know, even if the limited mobility in your mind or where you feel you can and cannot go, mm-hmm. that all of that is a part of a system. So no matter where they come at you for argument, there's always, well, just look right there. Well, just look right there. It's like you're, you know, it's, it's like it's, it's, it's so encompassing. But one quick question. Is there anything in the while doing this documentary that actually surprised you? Um, well, you know, this was done, uh, this was one of the fastest turnarounds I've ever had in making a film. I mean, we, I went down to, uh, Louisville in June, mid June, and, you know, it was on the air last week. Uh, so what, two and a half months. It was really incredible. So we kept learning stuff very, you know, it kept unfolding as we were going, as we were going. And the, you know, I go back to this wasn't surprising, but I guess I didn't realize it. And it's maybe even my bad for not realizing it, because in some ways we get so, you know, we've been dealing with, as we know, this police violence all of our lives, all of our parents' lives, all of our grandparents' lives. This is nothing new. Um, and uh, we, in some ways we are in order for us to survive, we become inured to it. And, you know, oh gosh, another, I mean, even since Brianna Taylor, I've been working on this story. There's been Jacob Blake, there's been, you know, all this stuff and going down and reporting this story and making this film and talking to the people in her community, the trauma and the, the trauma that it has inflicted, not only on the, the, 
the, the, the friends and family, but on the city, on the city and really seeing that that was visible. Um, so that was really, you know, just, wow. Wow. This, yeah. I wanted to ask, because the case is still unfolding, how did you decide, like, how to end it? <laughs> how did you decide how to wrap up the, the story? Yeah, really good question. Well, one thing is that we were told at various points in making the film that, you know, there were various rumors that the investigation was going to be imminently released. So we had to sort of keep that open if that was the case. Of course, it's, it hasn't been the case. Um we wanted to the the production the producers the executive producers and i really felt that getting the film out here at the time that we did it would have the most impact and so wait it well because it, there was such momentum around her case right everything had been building and building and building um and and you have to you have you have to you know part of filmmaking and documentary filmmaking is a timeliness of when it's going to, you know, when it's going to uh, get eyes on it and when it's going to be going to, you know, make a difference um, in terms of people, uh, in terms of how people understand the film, like what we just understand the case, understand the case, like what we talked about. Um, so, uh, you know, as we moved closer to that date, that, that, that air date, we became increasingly convinced that we wanted to meet it, that September 4th air date. And, um, and we knew that the film, what we always knew is kind of what I just mentioned is that we needed to take a wider lens about what was happening around policy and around the LMPD, what was going on in the LMPD. Um, and so we focused on the events. So we, the structure was the, you know, in terms of the investigation is what led up to that night in terms of the warrants and the, the justificate the police justification and the objections to that, and then what how that warrant was badly executed, Woo. and then that is you yeah. know and that is where we left it in terms of because that's all we know we don't we still don't know which bullets shot her, mm-hmm. we still don't mm-hmm. know that yeah. we don't know um, what the FBI the so there's two different investigations too there's the AG investigation Daniel Cameron. Um, protege of Mitch McConnell, uh, African and first African American AG of Kentucky, uh, spoke at the Republican National Convention. Uh, so he is he's looking at or his office is looking at what happened that night. And apparently, he just said that he had they have the ballistics reports now. So mm. that means that somebody knows who which bullet shot. Yeah, we still don't know. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then there's the FBI investigation, which looks at the larger. Uh, issue around uh, everything that led up to that night. So were those warrants justified? Um, And the civil rights of it. And the civil rights, exactly. If her civil rights were violated. Now, the thing that, you know, usually the AG report comes out before, the AG uh, results come out before the FBI civil rights violation. Um, You know, what complicates it, of course, going back to what happened that night and complicates it, is that Kenny, her boyfriend, because he thought they were being broken into, Mm -hmm. he fired a shot. So, and then the police fired, as he said, a whole mess of shots. Shots, yeah. Right. But that does complicate the, you know... um, you know, because the police do have, you know, in the the system, the way this, our system works, have a right to defend themselves. Again, so back that to makes the, it the word system. 
Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Is what so, we need to address. Yeah. So that makes that makes um, you know uh, uh, attempted murder charges uh, or murder charges harder. You know, because of that and more complicated. I mean, again, we'll, we'll see what happens with the report. Now, with the FBI investigation, they have a wider latitude um, of, you know, were her civil rights violated? Yes. Now, the, there's the FBI working on the ground. The, my understanding is that the FBI, you know, agents working who are working on the ground, the local FBI, but even if they do find something, and this is somebody, the, one of our, my, our sources told me this the other day, even if they do find her civil rights are violated, it still has to go to the um, the na- you know to the FBI the the national FBI and that's William Barr, and so if they would have to and they would have to choose to move forward on that. Well, that's and, you know, today. How about in you know a few weeks? Well, let's <laughs> like, well again. That's the right in a few in two months. Can exactly. we push it back? Yes, because <laughs> I do not have confidence that William At Barr all. is going to, if they present, you know, that her rights were violated, yeah. that he would pursue it. So that scared me. But yes, maybe the the, the maybe it will be changed. Hopefully, it will be changed. Well, Yoruba, um, we can't thank you enough for the the work manifest that you put into um, the killing of Breonna Taylor. We want to make all of y'all to go to Hulu right now. If you don't have Hulu, Thank you. Just, just look at the commercials and just get the freebie. <laughs> oh, and can I just say one quick thing? Yes. <laughs> My Harry Belafonte film premiered on, it's it's on um, Peacock, the streaming service. Oh. And it actually was on MSNBC last night. Um, and I think they're going to do wow. one more broadcast. So look out for that. It's called The Sit-In. Uh, mm-hmm. Harry Belafonte hosts The Tonight Show. Well, I'll watch anything right now. Yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that is wonderful. <laughs> but, so thank you but so much for having me oh, on. Oh, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. And really, I mean, if people haven't seen the film yet, just your breakdown. Like, I'm sure people in the chat was like, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. That's how you feel when you watch the film. She really gets into the nuances. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, of course. For uh, making the film and being on your gay aunties. Thank you. Have a good one, guys. All right. Yes, you too. So um, now, oh right. my gosh, I know. Ooh, I that know. Was... We gonna, we gonna, we gonna, we need some, we need some, we need some musical bomb. Oh yes, to balance out this energy. <laughs> oh, my neck is tight. <laughs> Right. Let's, let's go to the post. We show. gotta go. Yeah, let's go to the we post gotta show go right to the post. Show. We hear some Stephanie Gale. Oh. Stephanie Gale. Oh. <laughs> hey, yes, 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 yes. Hey, Kiara. Kiara's joining us. How wonderful. Great line. job on the show, Kiara. Kiara. Hey. <laughs> How are you guys? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Today has been awesome. This week was just like dragging along. So oh, I've been yes. looking forward to Sunday. Sunday is like the, the best day of the week for me now. It's like yes. the podcast and then all my shows come on. And then we got verses today. I'm saying, can't, with, you know, I'm just saying, some of our favorite we, aunties we, and music. Bring on our wonderful guests. We got to make sure that y'all up in the comments with your aunties later on today at Apple Podcasts, <laughs> I think, <laughs> where it's going to be Patty LaBelle, 
versus Gladys Knight. Ooh, honey. And we had a little combo earlier. Some of us are on the Gladys team. I can't wait. I'm on whatever, and I'm on. I'm on both sides. The Patty team. Now, I love me some Gladys Knight now. I love me some yes. Gladys Knight, but Patty gonna smash it. Mm-hmm. That's a nice way of putting it. Mm-hmm. I love them both for different <laughs> yes, reasons yes. too. For different reasons. I know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's what, that's the way most of these verses so, are. So, talking like, about the, the music, uh-huh. we have a musical guest who is joining us today. Ooh. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. All right. So, like, we debuted, actually, her music on the show. Um, well, debuted to you guys on the show. Uh, last episode, <laughs> the last episode, episode right? of 93 yeah. is Auntie Jim, right? Um but but now we have her here to perform mm-hmm. live. So so you don't yes. if, you, if you don't know who this woman is, Stephanie Gill, all right, is a singer, songwriter, producer, and fine artist from PG County, Maryland. Hey, my neighbor. <laughs> so she began writing music at the tender age of eight and began producing her own music at age of 16. At 18, she decided to move to New York. At 18, she moved to New York. Okay. To get her degree in fine arts and simultaneously pursue her music career. Now, in February 2019, she released her long-anticipated debut LP, Songs About V. And in December of 2019, she released her first holiday project entitled Christmas at 7222, Volume 1. And she has Volume 2, Christmas album coming out um, in the coming months, weeks. And now, y'all, ladies, gents, folks, everyone, your <laughs> gay aunties, welcome Stephanie Gale. Woo! Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Thank you all. Thank you, uh, Walida, Halifa Walida. Thank you, Red Summer. Thank you, everyone, for joining. Your gay aunties, episode 94. I am Stephanie Gale, and I am going to perform uh, one song for you. It's a fan favorite, and uh, it's entitled Vulnerable uh, for all the people out there. Uh, this, this song is for you, so let's do it. It's okay to feel vulnerable It's okay 
okay to be scared, to be hurt, to be broken. It's part of the deal when you have a soul. It's time to let it go. It's time to face another day. You may never find the answers to the questions inside you, but perhaps it's better to know you'll be okay. Yeah, it truly hurt me more than you ever know. Never knew pain so real this this deep to a point where I couldn't move completely numb to any other feeling. Staring to the mirror, view an empty shelf who I used to be. And pain is in everything I say you do. I wonder if the love I felt will return to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for now, I'll be okay. It's okay to feel vulnerable. It's okay to be scared to be hurt, to be broken.
um, who was also who are also singers. You know, there and you know the show is really t- to help those who are coming up in the ranks and and trying to navigate this. And I know there are plenty of musicians and singers or front people who who look like us, right? Who identify as women and who are masculine, um, androgynous. You really can't tell, right? Um, how do you? command the stage you know what i i always made a a conscious choice in the beginning to just just be myself no matter what because at the end of the day that's what that's what people are going to see even if you try to put on the front or try to put on a persona uh you know that you that you may try to construct you know at the end of the day you're you're going to end up yourself is going to come out of that so i never wanted to make um my situation as a singer and songwriter any you know any more complicated than it already is you know how difficult it is to <laughs> to navigate through this business and through just just being a, just being a singer and and trying to get gigs and trying to you know just get your name out there so um i just made i always made the decision to make things less complicated for myself and just be myself and you have to you have to love yourself you know, from the start, that's the foundation. You have to love your uniqueness. You have to love, you know, what you bring to the table and you have to understand that, you know, it's just as important and just as valid and vital as any, any, anyone else or anything else that, that comes out there. So. Well, Auntie Steph is saying right now, (laughs) um, no, 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 no. It's, it's, it's real practical because the the whole key, this is to, 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 to anyone else performing, if you're not confident about yourself and, and can ooze a certain kind of love for what you're doing in the exact moment when you're on stage, you will never command an audience. Yes. You will never command an audience. All right? And you can use being on stage to gain that confidence. Exactly. You know, um, but you got to step on it uh, 100% yourself. Right. Or, or just like, just stop. Just don't. Don't, don't, don't do that to yourself. Don't do it to the right. audience. Don't do it to the music. Right. <laughs> it, 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 it has to be it has to be authentic you know um you know oh thank you taisha by the way um it's a good friend there <laughs> but you know you yeah you i mean the audience won't respect you until you respect yourself and respect the fact that you are unique you know what you deal with in in regular life i you know i have to deal with a lot of crazy things in my in my normal life and if you're not able to you know handle that kind of you know your life your normal life you know being on stage there it's gonna translate you know so mm-hmm. you yeah. know you have to mm-hmm. you have to have command for yourself and you have to have respect for yourself in order for the audience and the fans to respect you and understand why you're taking that journey why you're doing what you're doing and what it's for you know so mm. Yeah. Well, I love the song. It's an amazing message. And even the more that I listen to it, like I just grow deeper in appreciation for it. So I thank, thank you. you. Thank you for having me. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Sure, sure. And I know you're going to join us um, to answer the next uh, the next letter. Before, before we, uh, we, we that, get to that. Everybody know what, what excuse me. Oh, I was just going to say, can you tell us, like, what your latest projects are? I was about to ask, I was about to ask I, That's why I said, oh, you got it. You was on it. Can I say one more thing before you, you all get into that? Because I wanted to, um, yeah. like, ma- send a special shout out to Hanifa Juanita. Because 
I followed you when I first came to New York and I used to yeah, I used to uh watch you perform at uh Wild Cafe Theater and uh Temperamental <laughs> and all the I I but just seeing you on stage and seeing how you express yourself so effortlessly like that that mm. affected me in my performances so Oh, I just wanted to That's give you props and respect you. for that. No, Same not a problem. Beautiful. But. And then where can we find your work? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> so you can find my work everywhere. I'm on all streaming sites, um, particularly Spotify, Apple Music. Uh, I'm on Bandcamp as well. If you want to yes, get a little closer and, you know, you know, provide, uh, you know, funds for me. Uh, <laughs> more quickly um without much uh you know uh of the business getting in the way but you can find me everywhere um like i said uh spotify uh apple music uh deezer everywhere um just put in stephanie gale what's the new album coming out um so i'm, I'm working on my next project which is um christmas of 72 22 volume two i'm actually working on a couple of projects but that's the one that's uh coming in uh, in the next couple of months and then i'm doing a joint project with my mentor and my big brother uh substantial we're working on a project together as well so it's a lot lot oh, coming up go, Keep go. It. well let us know about the christmas hey album. for sure for sure because we're gonna need good music after november okay Okay. Without a doubt. All right, y'all. So we're gonna we're gonna um, now move on to our second letter of the show. Woo-hoo. Okay, <laughs> and and Stephanie Gale is going to help us uh, answer this letter, and it's a doozy. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah. All right. So this letter is from Hannah. All right, the woman that has everything. Dear Arnie, so I have a question: How do you impress a woman? that has her own, that's very independent and doesn't want nothing but love and loyalty. Where's she at? (laughs) She continues, Hannah continues, I'm pursuing her. I used to be scared of independent women because I can't impress them or do not, or don't know how. So I'll settle with women, uh, mm, so I'll settle with women who don't have anything. (laughs) Oh, shoot. So I set up with women who don't have anything going on (laughs) and and blow lots of money to keep them happy. Right. So now. So I ain't done. (laughs) I ain't done. (laughs) (laughs) I found an independent woman that isn't impressed with money, doesn't need me to buy her anything, has her own everything. Mm. Now I'm lost on how to impress her. How can I keep a smile on her face? How can I better someone that's better without me? Mm. Now, I don't have to Mm. be a mind reader to know what a (laughs) lot of us are going to say. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll just chip at a little bit. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hannah. Your preoccupation, not just with this woman, but how you see the women you have access to or women you want to approach, needs to be addressed way before you ever do it again. (laughs) You need to look at your words. I'm just going to read a couple of lines, okay? Um, I used to be scared of independent women because I can't 
finite statement. I can't impress them or don't know how. I settle for women who don't have nothing going on, which is basically a reflection of how you, what you feel about yourself, that you don't have nothing going on or don't have enough going on to impress whomever you need to impress. And I'll say this, I'm going to leave it to my aunties. If you are doing all this to impress someone, <laughs> you're doing too much. You're doing too much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because anyone that's worth a goddamn, you should not be doing backflips or dropping rent on. Period. Okay. Kira, I'm interested to hear your response to this one. <laughs> I personally feel like you cannot... Trying to impress somebody, that's not going to make them want to love you. And if it does, then that person really don't care about you. They care about all the things that you can give them. So you should really be focusing more on the little things. Like if the person already has everything, then how are you loving them? How are you supporting, you know, this this person and showing them but love she, in a non-materialistic way? Like that's money where the focus should be. Her vein towards impressing someone. So then the question is, do you know how to impress with just yourself? Mm -hmm. if you have a dime in your pocket. Where does your value and your worth lie? If you can't right. answer the question, and this is this is really in your ballpark to deal mm -hmm. with, it has nothing to do with this woman. Hmm. Indeed. Yeah. Stephanie. Um, I, I I agree with uh, both True. ladies. Um, True. I. I if you have to, if you if you have to put too much thought into trying to impress that person, then you're doing too much from the start. Um, to be able to, you know, garner someone's attention that that just comes naturally, and you should just be yourself, um, which is what I was saying in the beginning. I, I think, I my mom used to tell me all the time, like, just be mm. yourself. Why are you trying so hard? Like, just just be yourself. And <laughs> you know, throughout my life, like, just being myself, even if I've flubbed something or or you know messed up or what have you like it it worked it all worked out in the end because the person just genuinely appreciated and liked me for who i was and in most cases people will you know like you and 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 respect you for being right. genuine and being yourself so and i've 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 dated women that have had more money than myself like that have pulled out wads of cash while we're out dating it's nothing to them that's it happens it's called being queer it happens <laughs> you know so <laughs> often <laughs> exactly you know so you know it doesn't it, it doesn't matter like if that person's having fun with you and you all are genuinely having a good time then it it, it shouldn't matter at the end you shouldn't be looking at their finances they're not worried about it they're fine <laughs> they just want to have fun so and their finances are not your finances, so why are you worried right, about exactly. it? Right, exactly. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. What you're creating with her is just that. It has nothing to do with what she did before you to to gain her finances for you to see her as someone that has everything. That has nothing to do with right. you. You two are in this moment in time together. What y'all both what do you both bring to the table to, to mm -hmm. make it even better? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know? So I will add um Correct. You already answered your question mm. <laughs> in your question. How do I impress a woman that has her own, that is independent and doesn't want nothing but love and loyalty? 
Baby, give her some love and loyalty. Exactly. 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 Bam! She just, yeah, she, oh she, just, she just gave you the answer. She Period. just gave you the answer. Yeah, like, you are making this so much harder on yourself. Right. Because the thing is, I I know I present this problem because I'm not a very, like, materialistic person mm-hmm. um, in a lot of ways. And so I complicate it because I'm just like, can you just create an experience that I will enjoy? Like, can we like have a good conversation? And at the end of that conversation, we like, whoo, that was good. <laughs> right. Because yes. if I'm not you looking, drawers, get your conversation skills up. Yeah. If I'm not looking for you to give me <laughs> things that I feel okay. I'm lacking, Mm. then I'm looking for you to give me an experience that Mm -hmm. I can enjoy and that will make this interaction between us more fulfilling and not a wasting of my time, right? (laughs) Because if she's so independent, then she probably got a lot of things that she could be doing right now other than spending time with you. And so you don't have to... You don't have to go out and spend a whole lot of money, right? Yes. And you said when you, um, and I'll use this phrase, and I, I'm, no. uh, I hate even that I'm going to say it, but like when you're dating down, right, that's what you get to do. You get to come in and you get to, you know, posture and you get to say, here, I got the check, baby, right? <laughs> or here, here's the gift, right? And so you're at a loss when you're dating up because, that thing that you normally do that impresses them, right? You don't have that, that trick in your arsenal anymore. And so now the only gift that you have is yourself. Mm-hmm. Are you showing up? Are you presenting an experience and an environment that is, is something that she will want to stop doing whatever she's doing so independently, right? <laughs> and give you her focus. If not, then she should. Yeah, we need to. We gotta. We gotta make it your gay aunties, young, 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 young gentlemen, grooming school or something. Young grooming school. Because when you said create an experience, girl, I was like, yeah, I want to learn. Like, I mean, it's like, wait, now you opening a Pandora's box. Wait a minute, I mean, we can experiences, and you know what, Hannah. Experiences can cost three sixty four a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. Because what comes with that cup of coffee is all this conversation we're talking about, all these ways you guys can connect just by being in each other's presence. Over yeah, a cup of coffee. And they're mutual. Okay. You're used to giving mm. this way. When you're creating an experience, mm-hmm. it's shared. It's something that you all have this memory that Ooh. that giggle about what happened yesterday. Like that's way better. Then yeah, a pair of shoes or something. Forgive me, ladies. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I know I shouldn't say that about shoes. That's true. That's true. I'm gonna be going shopping next week. <laughs> no, but it's right. You right. That is true. You tell them the truth. Shouldn't say that about you. <laughs> but yeah, you're not looking at the shoes smiling. That's what you give, and then yes. that, those are the things that show like. Your, your time and planning something out that you mm. were thoughtful about her, that you thought about things that she would enjoy and you're enjoying them with her, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of it just being a here, I got you a 
a coupon to go get a massage. Go. Right? Exactly. Okay, and great. also what comes with you saying here, what you come with just is being one directional. A lot of times studs who kind of that I'm just money is my worth type of thing or that's how mm -hmm. I get to you. you what comes with that are conditions whether you say it or not over time that money becomes resentment and conditions come into play well I've done this for you I did yes. that well I did that for you though I paid for that that don't mean nothing I don't care if you bought a 50 pair of shoes you don't own right. nobody's time mm -hmm. you don't own nobody's time it ain't worth a damn so you best I mean I have a personal rule you know what I'm saying I definitely keep it budgetary on the first couple days. Like, but and if you, a bitch start complaining, then a the bitch ain't for me. And excuse me saying a bitch, but I'm just gonna say it, okay? Or she don't at least, you know, or you know, there, there's not all these assumptions that I'm just paying every time. She got Dutch got to come out her mouth at least once I'm going a month. Dutch, yes. At least, the, <laughs> you know at I mean? least the first few times. You know, <laughs> exactly. I'm not just saying that. You know, if you have the money, fine. But and some people are into just paying all the time. That's your thing, whatever. That's not my thing because I'm I'm looking for a certain kind of woman that is not particularly into that. Okay, but if you into that, hey, whatever. Who am I to say, right? But Hannah, you need to make sure you into that. Okay, because mm. you complain about dropping money. So if you are going to be the kind of chick that drops money, again, not judging. Right. You need to be on like a, a budget or, I mean, or rather you need to make sure that people that you meet, that they're not there for the money. Let them go through a yeah. gauntlet a little bit before you start dropping money on people. Yes. Just, just drop 364, yeah. a cup of coffee. Exactly. And have a conversation. <laughs> Yeah. But I think I think also at the other at the end of the day, like people want to feel present. They want to feel like they're seen, you know, um, uh -huh. and, I, you know, money doesn't have to come into the equation for that person to be seen. Just be engaged and listen to the person, like take them in and really understand what they're about and go from there. Especially if you're genuinely interested in that person, like really engage yourself in. And, and immerse yourself into who they are as a person and what makes them, you know, what gives them life. What keeps their attention. She, yeah. yeah. She said it. Yeah. She said it. Your job is to find out what gives her life and you be a part of right. that. Or see if you're a part of it. You can't really do that and maybe you may not be able to do that. Right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. You say that's you know, a, that's a word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right thank you thank you hannah i hope um that we were able to help you give you some clarity moving forward with this woman that you were so impressed by and want to impress all right but uh, we look forward to you impressing yourself girl impress yourself before you impress someone else with it. impress yourself before <laughs> someone else whatever you know what I, mean? <laughs> I was trying to do the remix <laughs> Well, yes, thank you so much for your letter, uh, Hannah. And if any of you all want to write your gay aunties to make sense of your young and messy life, come on and tap your aunties on the shoulder by sending us a letter at yourgayaunties at gmail.com or you can DM us on, on Instagram at yourgayaunties or you can just go to yourgayaunties.com and there is a button that you can click, write your aunties. Do it right there. Either way, we'll get it and we will answer them. Say word. And next <laughs> week, next week. Ooh, are, you, are your seatbelts on? Are you, are you, is it click the click? All right. So next week, <laughs> we welcome 
Alicia Garza to the show. We, okay. we will never have enough time to talk about all the things we can talk about with Alicia Garza. Mm. <laughs> but, <laughs> but this will be a beautiful opportunity mm-hmm. to ask Alicia Garza questions live as both an activist and, well, your auntie. Now, some may wonder, how y'all get Alicia Garza? Well, <laughs> <laughs> little 3,000 followers. <laughs> well, the answer... I'm going to answer that by leaving you with this. Look around, children, at your pool of friends. Look left, look right. Some of them, if not yourself, are going to do great things in life. Things you can't imagine at this age. So, the way you treat the people in your life now is an investment and how they show up in your life later. That being said, Alicia Garland's gonna be on the show. (laughs) (laughs) In episode episode 95, just a couple of weeks this Sunday, September Mm. 26th, you're gonna enjoy it. So join us then. Don't forget to subscribe below. And with that, I'm Anifa I'm Red Summer. And it's Steph, y'all, Stephanie Gale. I'm here, Sheree. And we are your K-I-T. Bye-bye, y'all. Later, everyone. Thank you.